I'm going to ask us just to bow our heads and I'm going to ask you to take a moment to pray to God. And I really want you to, for a second, just stop and we will pause as a church family and allow God to move us in understanding there are some people in incredible pain right now. They are facing fires and floods. They have been facing hurricanes. They have faced um, all kinds of either political rest in their community where there's shootings and violence. There's all kinds of pain. And it's um, in light of even what's happened with a uh, Supreme Court justice, Ruth Bader Ginsburg, and all the political unrest. I'm asking you to come before the Lord and just pray your heart to him, would you? Just quietly and take a moment. Hear our prayers, Father. Lord Jesus, in this moment, as easy as it is to get so wrapped up in the present, we again proclaim who we are. We are eternal souls made in your image. And that image is stamped all throughout humanity. We are people who know you, people who have who have trusted you, Jesus. You tell us that this is not our kingdom. And we will continually pray as you taught us to pray that your will would be done here on earth just like in heaven. We would be as responsive to the angels and, and we would be as upright and humble and genuine and sensitive as we are with people, in conversation with people, and that we would represent you in a worthy way. For we serve your kingdom, and we give you thanks. Now speak to us about your kingdom. I pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Well, I was invited, both my wife and I were invited to a party a number of years ago. And it was one of these kind of unexpected invitations. It was a celebration party for a a charitable, for, for what had happened was a Minneapolis-based business um, had this charitable organization and lots of people gave to it and they just wanted to throw a party for their donors. And so that's what we were invited to. And it was on a vacant lot in Lake Minnetonka, the Wayzata area. It was first class, way beyond my class, though not my wife's. Um, and in fact, she's the reason we got the invite. Lots of people, they were TV personalities, they were athletes, the rich and famous, and then us as well. And it was a beautiful, sunny, late summer evening. There was food, five or six food stations. Uh, kind of all you could eat, and I ate all I could eat. I even asked, to my wife's embarrassment, for doggy bags, which I couldn't believe they didn't bring. But anyway... It wasn't just hamburgers and hot dogs either. It was catered by a Minneapolis restaurant, some of you may know, Cafe Lercat. And um, it was just fun. In the center, as we faced the lake, as you can see on this picture, was a stage with an incredible light show at a certain point. 
there was a warm-up band, and after the warm-up band had played and, and, and kind of got things warmed up, there became a verbal, they, they thanked people for their gifts and everything else, and then the Zac Brown band came and played. And I was just like, this is so cool. And at one point, they sang one of their songs, and it was a, it was a military jet flyover, and then fireworks in, out in the lake area with all these boats standing around, and, and we were invited. And the host of the party had really one objective in mind, just one thing that he wanted people to know, that he was thankful, and that he, enjoyed, that, that he just wanted us to enjoy the party kind of take in the feast of food and friends and music, the beauty of the lake, and the warmth of that evening. Just celebrate. So mind you, we paid no tickets to get in. We did nothing to deserve to be there. And we hadn't even given so much as a prayer or a penny to that charitable organization. All we had to do was respond to that invitation. That was it. All we needed to do not deserving anything, was respond. What I want to share with you as we look at Luke chapter 14 in a little bit is, is Luke's understandings. I shared last week a bit about the presence of God. This week I want to share about the fact that everyone's welcome. In Luke's gospel, one of those surprisingly great bits of news that we get is he says, life with God today and forever is like a party. Today begins the hors d'oeuvres in a sense, the appetizers, but we will for eternity be in the presence of God where we trust in his provision. We know that his hand is on us, that he loves us, that we are chosen, that we're not forsaken, that we live out of this expression of his incredible grace and mercy. And what I want to share with you before we get going much further is I want to at some point just make the invitation that Luke is making. I want to make an invitation to those of you who don't know Jesus in a personal way or for whatever reason don't feel you fit in I want you to know that like Luke does here and like Jesus does, he invites those of you who feel maybe far from God. And, and for some reason, you understand your mistakes and you feel your shame. And, and you just are hoping you can be forgiven. And I also want to invite some of you who have um, known about Jesus, but for some reason have, have, be, have walked away. And even now, you have, you have felt over the last maybe few weeks or months this this pull of God back into the relationship that he has offered you. So what I want us to do is look specifically at Luke 14. And in Luke 14, it begins, and it's important that we look at the context as we get to the verses that we're going to specifically look at. Luke 14 begins with Jesus attending a luncheon. And it was probably after a Sabbath. It could have been that Jesus spoke in a synagogue. And it was a luncheon given by very religious people. These were the Pharisees. This was the in crowd. This is the ones that felt religiously right by what they did and what they thought was in their hearts put them in a relationship with God. And so Jesus goes and he receives their invite, goes to their home, and the Pharisees are watching him and Jesus is watching them. So you got them each watching each other. And as Jesus is watching them, they noticed, he kind of noticed how the, the guests chose their seats. And then he, he also observed, as he looked at it, who was invited. And he made some comments on this in the meal. He made some comments about the fact that there, you know, there was this idea that you were just inviting the people you know, 
who in some way have influence, in some way can um, be connected to help you get connections. You know, you scratch my back, I'll scratch yours kind of idea. Those are the kind of people. But Jesus said, you know, you really should be inviting different people into this party. And so in verse 14 and 15, uh, 15 and 16 of, of chapter 14, it says, when they heard this, one of the dinner guests said to Jesus, someday... I mean, he's making a statement. Someday God will have a, a kingdom feast. He'll have a party. And how happy and privileged will be the ones who get to share in that joy. And Jesus replied with this parable. Parable is just a story with a point to it. And I, I love how he begins. He says, there was a man who invited many to join him at a great feast. That, that's one way of saying a party. And, and I want to share with you, the feast that he's talking about is the kind of feast that it's not just for important people. You got you know, it's not those kind of stodgy parties you go, oh, we got to go to this party. It's the one like a wedding or, or a party with a group of friends. And you go, you're really looking forward to it, the party, you know? You want to go. And so here's, the, here's what he says. He's invited to this great party. And I love the fact that Jesus likens God's a relationship with God as like going to a party. And, and he is making it really clear, even in the sense of the party being in the future someday, heaven is not just a bunch of choir singing or is it a bunch of harp playing. Sometimes we get that in our mind. You know what? Yeah, who wants to go? You know, it's just this. But Jesus, he says the party as you enter into his presence and begin to live with him is not about someday hereafter. It actually begins the day that Jesus revealed himself. In the first place he revealed himself was at a party. The very first miracle that showed people who he was was in a village called Cana. And it wasn't a mistake. God intentionally revealed that the life of God is like a kingdom where you go to a party and you don't deserve it. You're, you, you didn't get the invitation. You maybe have done nothing to contribute to it at this point. But what you get is all of who God is. And he says, just trust me and I'll be your provider if you walk in this sense of, of, of that grace and relationship with me. And so here's the first miracle. It's at Cana. He reveals himself. And you have to ask yourself, why wasn't the first miracle a healing or, or, or raising of a dead of someone? It forces that kind of question. Why make your inaugural miracle fixing the tap at a party? Think about that. Providing not even just a few glasses of wine, but the best wine ever ever tasted. And here's the reason. What Jesus tells us in this parable is that life with God is that kind of life where it is the best that you could imagine. Now, it doesn't mean there aren't difficulties and problems, but it's that when you come across those things, he will strengthen you. He will guide you with wisdom. He promises to be with you every step of your journey. He promises to say, in a sense, that if you walk with me, it's walking like into this undeserved party where you come in and you go, wow, this is really good. Can I have doggy bags? He goes, no, you don't ever have to worry. You can eat this stuff for the rest of your life. Is that how you think of the kingdom of God? Is that how you live in relationship to your heavenly father? Do you experience life with Jesus as beginning to taste the appetizers of all that's yet to come? Look at verse 17. 
When the day for the feast arrived and the host instructed a servant to notify all the invited guests and tell them, come, for everything is now ready for you. It's those words, let's eat. Possibly some of my favorite words as a kid. You know, when you hear that, I mean, dinner's ready. It's like, yes. A little bit of trivia, just so you can understand, parents, how important family meals are. Harvard Medical uh, School did a study. And they found that kids who ate regularly with their parents were considerably healthier. And kids at 72% were less likely to experience depression, struggle with self-esteem, have suicidal thoughts, develop eating disorders, or use illegal drugs than those who did not eat on a regular basis with their parents. God is really into meals. God is into the kind of community, and you usually eat people that you feel kind of in with and, and, and you feel comfortable with. He's really into the church being that kind of place. I like the Passion Translation, the way it puts it. When the day arrived, the host notified all the invited guests, which is, which is more likely the, the way you would hear it or understand it in that culture in that day. In those days, there would be two invitations that would be given for a party. The first is kind of like a save the date that would go out. And the reason they would do that is because you, if you, you wanted people to come, they needed sometimes a week or more to get things ready to be able to go to the party. And the people who were hosting the party, sometimes as they invited people, had people coming in. And you couldn't ever, you know, it wasn't like, well, it's maybe like the airlines in some ways. Like, you know, is it delayed? Is it coming? They didn't know exactly when they came. So they set at a certain point, And when things would be ready and the food would be ready, they then sent out a second invitation. And the second one was, come on over, it's time to eat, it's time to party. It's time to join this incredible life that we want you to experience. So a bunch of people said yes to the uh, first invite, to save the date. They came back. And, And then, at one point, when the second one came out, verses 18 through 20, it says, they all alike began to make excuses. So all the, those who kind of said, saved the first started to make excuses. Now you gotta, again, this is a context of the story where Jesus is eating with a group of people who are, who are, um, being, um, kind of critiqued. And so this story at a point is going to critique them. But they don't know it as it's going yet. And, and then he goes, he says, well, let me just share with you in verse 18 to 20. There's three excuses that came out. The first is pretty simple. It's just, you know, I bought a field and I need to look at it, which is really crazy when you think about it, because who buys a piece of property without having looked at it? And even if you did, it's just a bunch of dirt. It's probably not going anywhere. And then the second invite is, is just is, is, is similar in the sense of I, I bought a team of five oxen. And, and I need to go and examine them. Now, this was like a major capital expenditure in their day. Be similar to someone who would buy a, a, a new car. And, and someone would come to you, I heard you got a new car. And, you would, and they ask you, what did you get? And you go, I really don't know. I haven't ever seen it. I don't even know what it is. No, you wouldn't do that. The third is, is another one. He goes, I just got married. We can't make it. Now, it doesn't tell you when they just get married, but the idea is they can't make it because they're married. And I just think to myself, let's get real. How many recently married couples don't want to go to a party and show the other person off? 
Or even, let's get even more real than that. How many newlyweds do you know are poor after the wedding and are looking for a meal anywhere? (laughs) Right? They're all lame excuses. It's really what I'm on my career, my possessions, my interests, my relationships. And I want you to catch this, are more important than a relationship with you, God, even if it's really a party that you're promising me. And not just a party now, but a party forever. Verse 21 goes on and says, The servant reported back to the host and told him of all their excuses. So the master became angry and said to his servant, Go at once throughout the city and invite anyone you find, the poor, the blind, disabled, the hurting, and the lonely, and invite them to my banquet. Catch that. Go throughout the city. The idea is, you know, run through the city and find out, if you can, who hasn't been invited. So they go to the streets and they go to the alleys and they invite everyone. The servant does. Handing out invitations when he sees a sick person and a poor person and a blind person, a disabled person, and sees people who are lonely and even people who have contributed nothing to a charity like we were at a party. People in some sense who don't care anything about God or don't think God cares anything about them. There's a couple of shocking twists in this part in the story. And the first is that the original people who were given the save the day didn't come and they offered these lame excuses, right? The second thing I think is interesting, it was maybe a little more shocking, is the rich guy would actually fill his house with a bunch of nobodies. It would be like if this party for all these people who had given to this charitable foundation were given invites and said, save the date. And when this date came, they all said, we're not coming. And the rich guy said, just go find anybody you want. We're throwing a party for anybody who would like to be a part of it. They didn't have to do anything for this. Verse 22 and verse 23. Sir. The servant said, what you ordered has been done. And I underlined, but there's still room. You have to understand, what what Jesus is trying to get across in this picture is the kingdom of God, because that's what he's talking about, is so spacious that everyone who's invited can get in if they respond. And the master then said to his servant, go out to the roads. Now catch this. Now it was in the city. Now go out to the roads and the country lanes and compel them to come in so that my house will be full. This is really what I say is like kind of the punchline to the gut of the religious crowd that's sitting around that table. This is part of the story that really just goes out and almost like hits them in the gut, catches them off guard. Go to the country roads and the country lanes meant go to the moral outcasts of society. Not just the poor, the sick, and the lonely who who seem to be not living under the full blessing of God. For some reason, they're ill, they're sick, they're having problems in their life because God just doesn't really look upon their life with a lot of grace and joy and doesn't give them a lot. But go, in fact, to those who are not in the city but are out there who you would never consider inviting. Go to the tax collectors and the thieves and the ex-cons and the sex offenders and the adulterers and the prostitutes. You know, the sinners. Because that's what Luke 14 will lead into is Luke 15, which is all about the lost. Lost lamb, lost coin, lost son. 
Go to those who aren't even allowed in the city. And here's the greatest shock. God uses these words. Compel them to come in. Isn't just get hand them an invite and kind of go, right? For those of you who are on podcasts, I kind of plug my nose and hand an invite. It's not that idea at all that, that you're, you're somewhat really tentative and you're not. It's compel them. This, of all people, is for them. This would be like Gentiles, people who are not Jews, and not just the good Jews or the bad Jews, but even those who seem to be outside it. Jesus seems to be extending the, the idea that beyond what you could imagine, all people I've created are going to get an invite. And this parable sums up, I think, Israel's response to Jesus. He's right at this point, they're kind of getting it. God sends out saved the dates. He invited them through Abraham and Moses and David and the prophets. He's been inviting them, saved the dates that his, his son Jesus is going to come and he's going to reveal that you can have a life personally with him and he can walk with you and guide you. And not that you won't have problems, but he'll walk with you through them. You'll be the kind of life where you begin to recognize the more that you understand your identity, that you are a son and a daughter, that you are deeply loved by God and you walk in that and you, you allow his word as you read his word to just keep you bound in his presence like I said last week they have been given this invite they were the first ones given the invite and what he's saying to the group there this religious group he's saying you guys have said no and your excuse is lame verse 24 I tell you, not one of those who are invited will get a taste of my banquet. I want you just to look at this, at this point. Because Jesus now turns to first person and he says, I tell you, not one of you who are invited will get a taste of my banquet. Now you're separating some people here. Because Jesus is making a real important point. He's saying to the people who've been waiting for this Messiah that he is this one who's come of God, who has come to bring the kingdom. And he's not just saying that. He's saying the banquet that will be forever is his banquet that he's inviting you to. Now, I want to just say this because this is what Jesus said. This isn't Kevin. This is what the word of God has to say. This is, this is what the Bible says here. Okay? It says that religious people are the group that are most likely to miss Jesus in the kingdom party. Which means there are people in this church, possibly, who have bought into religion and not into the depths of what it means to come before God in a relationship with him. And I just said really clearly, and it may be that God is speaking to you through this. You could grow up in the church, and you could have gone to Sunday school, and you could have been a part of a youth group, you could have gone to camp, you, could have had, you, you may have had an emotional experience 
But you maybe have never, ever said, Jesus, I recognize it's not by the worthiness of all this stuff that gets me to the party. It's my personal response that says, I invite you to come into my life, to forgive me of my sins, and then to begin my, be my life leader. Begin to actually lead me so I will follow you. So here's surprising great news. I'm going to give you three things about God's kingdom that Luke tells us. And it's very simple. Everyone's welcome. Next week we'll talk about nobody's perfect. We, we also will talk about anything's possible. We say this is the culture we want, to, we want to create here. It's the same kind of culture Jesus created and it was found in the early church. That's why we're looking at Luke. We're going to be getting in the book of Acts and this is all preparation to get in there to really understand some of this. So the first is this, everyone gets an invite. The invites go to everyone. Life today and forever he likens to a party filled with joy as we feed on God's goodness through this life and we trust on him to provide and, for, and, and, and also walk according to the promises that he sets before us. Everyone is invited to that kind of life with Jesus. And the invite first goes to a group of people here who are self-righteous. They're do-gooders. They're offended even by the God, by the grace of God. They can't understand. Sure, you have to do something good in order to really move into the kingdom of God. And God says, no, all you have to do is have a heart that's open that responds. And so you have a group here. The first is what I call the unworthy, which I talked about so often are religious people. And that's why religious people so often, churches so often miss what it means to live in the kingdom of God. And when we don't share people about the kingdom, we share with them more about a religious life, about if you do these good things, then God kind of accepts you. It's not about that. God accepts you because he created you, and you in faith have responded back to him and received his life, his love, and his forgiveness. And you now say, I want to walk in that out of a grateful heart. There's a second group that I think is important here, and that's what Jesus is seeking to get across. The invite goes to those who are um, living self-condemning, self-hating, shame-filled lives where they feel like failures before God and they can't imagine that God loves them. And they, in fact, they know their failure and their lack through their own sin to such a degree and they have experienced throughout their life the judgment of other self-righteous people and have experienced the wounds that have come from that they've watched the hypocrisy of that and they just go i, I that's not, either not for me or I, I can't believe that god would would love me it's interesting jesus has this interesting feature to this story and again it's shockingly good news the host god your heavenly father compels those who feel their shame the most to come. Why compel? Because it tells us something about the group he's inviting. And it may be you. It may be you as you listen to this. Because there are so many people who for whatever reason have either been turned off by or have lived in such a way that maybe someone has done something to them where they experience such shame or they themselves to their own acts have created such a sense through disobedience, a a sense of shame or guilt that they would never step in the doors of the church because anywhere they think the presence of God is, they just cannot go. And Jesus is saying to that person, 
Compel them. There are so many people around us, folks, today who have given up. This is what Jesus would say. He would, he, he, this is how I think he'd say, there are so many people who have given up on me because they believe that I have given up on them. But it also tells us something about the host, this idea of compel. It tells us that God is so deeply in love with you in the midst of your sin and your shame, he is more committed to you than even you are. He would go out and compel you. No matter how much shame, no matter how much sin is in your life, right where you're at right now, God is probably, as you can hear his voice, compelling you, saying, I want you to respond and enter into life with me. Right where you are. Whether you're angry, or you've given up on religion, or you're filled with doubts, here's the surprisingly great news. God is for you. You may need to memorize this verse. Some of you who said, yeah, I've, I've responded to God, I understand that you may need to memorize this so that your sense of identity grows in how much he loves you. Romans eight thirty one and 32. And you can personalize it. I, I have, I have a, um, a phone that, that my iPhone that I use, and I put in there something that comes up every day. I have a couple different verses that come up every day at a certain time just to remind me something about what I'm, what I believe God is teaching me right now. You could do that, and you just put this verse in. It says, "If God, and it's okay to put in the word me instead of us. If God is for me, who can be against me? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for me, how will he not also, along with him, graciously give me all things?" God proved his love by giving the greatest treasure, which is the gift of his son. Now here's an important point. If you are wrestling with your own shame, you're wrestling with a sense of, of, of what it means to, to experience God's love, uh, my guess is you also have a difficult time experiencing the love of other people. And so I just want to share with you, here is something that's a very practical thing you can do. I encourage you to get involved in a small group because you need to become a part of a non-judgmental, grace-filled, truth-seeking community. Get involved in a group with some other people where they can come around you and through that person and their love, you can experience the love of God. The other thing is everyone gets to choose, second thing, and, and, and that's really pretty simple. Everyone gets an invitation, but in this parable, you see the story. Jesus says everyone gets a choice. Every person here, you all get a choice. Every person who is watching or listening. And what you have to ask yourself, if, if that's the case, and, and, and God has come to you, even right now is coming to you. This is not just me. God is speaking. He says you have an opportunity right now, today, this moment, to respond and open your heart to me. And he just kind of asks, what's your excuse? What, what is it that keeps you? You can throw them all out there, but someday he's not going to say, I, I, I'm not, I hear that someone hurt you, or, or I hear that someone who is a believer wasn't really, was pretty hypocritical, or you don't believe this or that. It's not about anything like that. It's about how you will respond to the very presence of God through the Holy Spirit, which means revealed through Jesus. And I know sometimes people don't respond because they think it isn't really a feast, but it's, you know, you're going to miss the ice cream and mini donuts and all the chocolate and stuff if you respond to Jesus, whatever that looks like in your life. Or you feel like you're going to live on a diet of tofu and vegetables, right? It's not what we're told. 
It's not what I've experienced. Do you think an invite from God to live life through Jesus will keep you from the party? It it won't. It will open up so much for you. And really, in each of these cases, every excuse boils down to one thing. The bottom line in every one of these, if you look at each one of those, I don't want to come. I I really still want to sit on the throne of my life. I, I really don't want to give it over. I don't want to come. And the third thing is this. Everyone gets to pass out invites. So people who have received an invite, who have responded to the invite, you get invites. And, and you, you get a, like a plus one. You know what I mean? But really it's not a plus one, it's a plus many. It's as many as you can give out. Because if you give out like the five you were given, you can give out five more. and You just keep getting as many as you want. You get to share with people about this life that you have experienced. And I tell you, it's the best way to talk about it. You know, don't, don't get into this kind of way. I'm trying to prove you that Jesus... Just tell them about your experience. Just the old word, testify. Just, here's my story. And then pray and wait till a person's at a point where they are ready to hear. I, I got to share with you, I, I put these things down here and they were actually spread out all over the place. The, our, our drummer, Steve, um, shared with me this week. He was out walking, and he was on his usual walk in a path in Plymouth. And as he's going down, he had a prompting just to go down another way that he doesn't usually go. Went down that way, and as he walked down that way, scattered all over, more than this, were pages of a New Testament, Proverbs, Psalms and Proverbs, Gideon Bible. And he said, I felt God prompt me, and I just stood there, and emotionally just felt like what pain was going on in this person's life that they would take this Bible and just tear out the pages. You've been given an invite. There are people. There truly are people in this COVID time that God has prepared. Their hearts are open. The Spirit of God will prompt you to go on a path. What was really neat about that is I think God prompted Steve to go down that path because he stood there emotioned with emotions and began just to pray for that person. I think God's in that. And later that night, he said they had a group of people over. They had a, a number of couples. And they at one point, he brought this out and he put it on the table. He says, let's just stop and let's pray for this person. There are so many ways, folks, you can invite people. You can just stop and every, once in a while be a little bit bold. And, and when a person's sharing maybe a difficulty in their marriage or difficulty, say, you know what, I, I would really, I'm going to pray for you um, over the next few weeks. Are you okay with that? I, I can't imagine, I don't know, I've never heard of anyone said, someone say, don't pray for me. You can have a friend who you're just getting to know and you have a small group and, 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 and this is one of the reasons why we encourage people to be in community and in these groups and you say, you know, I got some other friends we're meeting and we're talking about spiritual things and, and invite them in. I was, um, this last year we were meeting with this group of guys that I meet with, we're meeting and um, we... We're at a caribou. It's near Ridgedale, and it has an apartment buildings with it. And and uh, a guy would come down and get coffee, and he'd come back. And I I didn't notice him. I'm usually so into it, I didn't notice. But 
did that for about two, three months. This last Wednesday, he came and he shared um, during our Wednesday night thing. Uh, he said he kept walking by and he saw a couple guys in the group and they were from, the, well, he's at a high school that he went to and he called them at a certain point. He said, you know, um, I've just been feeling the sense of, I, could, I, could I join your group? And of course we said no. Get to invite someone to breakfast and lunch and listen to them. Not with the purpose to convert them, but with the purpose just to love them. Let God do the converting. That's God's job. That's his spirit's job. Four times Jesus extends an invitation in this passage. He keeps saying, come, join me. Come, you're welcome. Please, please come. I'm compelling you. Whether you're poor or you're broken, come. If you're wandering and you're lost and you're afraid, he says, come. If you've fallen away, you've, you've walked away from God, he's saying, come. If you feel full of sin and shame, I'm compelling you to come. If you're discouraged, which how many people aren't in this COVID time, come. And if your life is filled with regret and sorrow, he says, Come. This is the most important invitation you will ever receive. I'm going to ask the the team to come up and we're we're going to have them play a song. It just talks about moving from your head to your heart. And the idea is you've heard, some of you have heard this message many times. And right now God is saying, I want you to move this from what you know in your head. And I want you with your heart, your will to open your life to me. Some of you have been resisting God. Some of you have fallen away from God. Some of you are discouraged. I don't care where you're at today. I'm going to ask you during this time, this song, just to worship God and, and, and respond. If the Spirit of God is speaking to you, He's inviting you, just say yes. I receive you, Jesus. I, I receive your forgiveness and your grace. And I just want to walk in the fullness of this party and presence you promise.